Hello, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 483, 483 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. I am Jason Evans here for your listening pleasure. I am joined by Donald Wine and Samuel Klein. I'll bring them in in just a moment. In fact, right now. What the heck? What was I thinking? I was like, I was thinking I was going to start talking about the Wake game. And then I went, wait a second. I need to introduce the guys for I don't even know where I'm going with this. Donald Wine, how you doing, my friend? I thought you had some breaking news. That was like I, I was I was sitting here on the edge of my seat. No, it's it's just you're just saying hi. Say so I'll say hi back. <laughs> and Sam Klein, Sam, how are you? Jason, are you okay? Uh, barely, just barely, man. I'm not sure what's happening with me. <laughs> I'm in Atlanta. It's kind of it's it's been weird weather down here lately, and uh, it's Same. affecting it's affecting me. It's affecting me. I don't know. What Sorry, I, I I hate to hear that, but uh, at least it's not affecting the Duke men's basketball team. Sam with the segue. Nice job, sir. We're here to talk about the uh, basketball game that happened last night between uh, Wake Forest and Duke in Cameron Indoor Stadium. The Blue Devils win that game 75 to 73. Uh, Gentlemen, it was not as close as that final score indicates. I'll be talking much more about that a little bit later on, but we will start the way we always do. I want both of you guys to give me your headlines and then, oh boy, do we have a slew of headlines from the listeners that I'm going to read for you. Uh, but Donald, start us off first. What's your headline from the boot from the Blue Devils victory over Wake Forest? Yeah, so I'm going to shout out. Uh, I'm going to do my own, and then I'm going to shout out one that I actually liked. I know we have a list of of some, but the one that I have was Duke wins, but has a demon of a time doing it. Um, and so I, I I thought that was indi- indicative of the final five minutes of the game. But my favorite headline was from Chris Bynum, and he wrote. Blue Devils overcome their demon deacons in home win over Wake. You know, Chris Bynum sent us multiple headlines, mm-hmm. and I he sent one that was, "Oh, Captain, my Captain Jeremy Roach takes command," which I thought was really good as well. I like that that headline a lot. Yep. Sam, what is your headline from this game? Uh, my headline from this game is Kyle Filipowski is the most boring, boring, du- the most boring double double machine in Duke history. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite one from oh, the listeners. Double double. There were there were a few good ones from the listeners, but uh, I like Chuck Westmoreland's submission. Duke takes down Deeks and ACC officials who treat Tyree Appleby like he's a four year All ACC guy from the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that we had. I mean, we had, se- we had several good Appleby ones uh, that I mm-hmm. enjoyed. Uh, Wilco uh, on the DVR uh, sent us one that was Appleby nearly served spinach and artichoke dip to Duke, which I thought was amusing. Clinton Weaver also had an Applebee's one. Roach founded Applebee's. Last minute fritter order canceled. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that. And uh, uh, and then the other one on my the other one I thought that was interesting was Jim Baumgartner. Times chimes in with Carolina in my mind as devils deal with demons. Uh, Jim is correct. the uh, The Blue Devils have a a match coming up this weekend against UNC, which we are not going to talk about on this podcast. We will be talking about that on an edition of DBR Bites. Actually, it may be just a regular podcast. It's not a Bites. That's going to be a, a regular. It's a regular podcast. Yeah, we'll be dealing with that tomorrow. But And and I, and I want to say right now, I do think that Duke did a pretty good job of not looking ahead, that they were focused on Wake Forest. That is something that I was very worried about, especially with a young team, with a lot of freshmen, guys who haven't played in the Duke-UNC game before. It would be really easy, I think, for them to look ahead. And I thought they did a great job of not doing that. So we, we're done with the headlines. Let's get to the good. 
plenty of good in this game, uh, in a game that Duke wins by two, and they probably should have won by double digits. They led by double digits virtually the entire second half. Uh, Donald, why don't you start for me? What you got in the good? Yeah, this is just a general one. And Jason, you kind of led me to it when you kind of said that this team did not look ahead to Carolina, which I which I agree with. I thought they were very focused on this game. And you know who else was the camera crazies? They showed up last night. It was loud in camera. You could actually hear normally on the broadcast this year. You can't really it's hard to tell how loud Cameron is. A lot of them, you know, they kind of drown out the audio or, or edit it a little bit so that it f- is focused more on the court than on the stands. But it, I don't think they cared last night. It shined through, and it was uh, amazing to see. Uh, I know they're going to bring – the the energy level is going to be a level 100 compared to, you know, last night on Saturday. But I have to give a shout-out to all of them because they showed up, they showed out, they were loud, and they kept this team in it. Even when there was a couple of scoring droughts there or a couple of times where uh, Duke felt a little flat – when they got on this team, they they jumped behind them and they really carried them to victory in this one. All right. So, Sam, uh, by the way, Donald, I 100% agree with you. I thought the energy of the crazies was great. Sam, I'm, I'm going to let you start with the, the actual game and the players on the floor. And that has to begin with Jeremy Roach, 17 points in the first half, an impressive performance by our captain. And a great defensive effort down the stretch, I think. The, the you know, Roach was was good at both ends of the floor last night. We've talked about how his return from injury has been uneven and we're, we're sort of waiting to see him return to form. I think the most promising thing from yesterday is that it feels like he even has a little bit more to go. Like he, he was such a great scorer in the first half. I don't think he was distributing that much at, or as much as I think he can last night. It does feel like Proctor has sort of taken over the, uh, the point guard duties from him, but Roach is capable of that. And so, you know, if you want to, if you want to make comparisons, like, the the sort of coming of age feels a little bit like the way it did for Quinn Cook. And uh, maybe maybe that means that Roach has a lot more in him that he's going to prove for the rest of this season. We talked early in the year about how much Roach is going to mean to this team no matter what. And this was sort of the first sign to me last night that he like he's 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 healthy enough to to be contributing in that way and that he's embracing it and and the team would not have won this somewhat close victory uh without all of his scoring in the first half and then all of his defense in the second. So guy, I I agree that I thought he was great. And um I, I love the way uh Duke used Roach in the second half more as a facilitator versus a scorer. Uh, that he he was very effective in a two man game with Kyle Filipowski a few different times. Um, you know when Wake began to catch on to that, we we sort of adjusted and and Kyle Filipowski and Ryan Young began running some you know give and go high post low post kind of action that that was that was useful at times, including a couple really really nice passes. Uh, and and I thought the the out of bounds plays that we ran for Tyrese Proctor were really good. Uh, they're, they're, you know, with about 17 minutes left in the half. Um, there was a play where he inbounds it to Derek Lively and he just steps next to Lively and Lively hands it back to him and he buried a three. And I was like, oh, that's a that's a, a great play and a, and a great sign of Tyrese Proctor's confidence. Literally like five minutes later in the game, they did the same thing again on the other side of the floor. It was like, Wake Forest, hello, are you going to bother to try and cover Tyrese Proctor when he's wide open at the three-point line? And, and Proctor buried them both times. I thought he had a, a great game. Donald, give me more on on the backcourt because those guys to me led the day 
Yeah, with Jeremy Roach, I think the one thing that I thought was interesting was that he took a lot of jumpers in the first half, especially from the free throw line. Like he was able to just kind of penetrate and he didn't, while Wake Forest was thinking he was going to go all the way to the rack, he just kind of stopped at the 15, you know, 15 foot mark right around the free throw line and would just bury those jumpers all half long. He didn't hit a couple of threes, but the way that teams are playing now, you don't see a lot of mid-range jumpers from the free throw line. That used to be something we saw back in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, and even the late 2000s. That was considered an efficient way to play offense. And even when I grew up, that was, you know, I made a living off of shooting, you know, from that elbow. But a lot of times now people are either shooting three-pointers or they're going for layups and dunks. And it was quite refreshing uh, from this mind to kind of see Jeremy Roach do that and just kind of hit a couple threes to kind of bring guys out. And then he was able to get past them, get right to that free throw line, found just that little hole, and he just kept popping them. And every single time, it you know, it almost seemed like Wake Forest was going to say, hey, this, this guy's going to keep going. He's going to eventually go to the basket. No, he's just going to keep stopping, and he's going hit, to hit these jumpers. So I really like that. But I also liked how he played alongside Tyrese Proctor. Tyrese Proctor, tw- 17 points, five boards, two assists, three for seven from three-point line. He had these moments where he was just able to do what he wanted. Um, get to the rack if he needed to um, made some great passes uh, that and some of them didn't really didn't necessarily lead to an assist but they led to the person who made the assist and I think moving the ball around Tyrese Proctor was very good at doing that and also taking some of the responsibilities off of Jeremy Roach when Jeremy Roach was kind of focused on the defensive end you know he was able to give the ball up to Tyrese Proctor and that you know two-headed monster at the top uh, in the backcourt was really effective on the evening. So that's enough for the perimeter guys. Let's go inside a little bit. Uh, Sam, you alluded to this in your, in your headline. Uh, You know, how can Kyle Filipowski have, uh, you know, a game where I think a lot of us feel like, eh, it was, it was okay. It wasn't a great game from him. 16 and 11. (laughs) It's amazing. Is our expectations for him too high? What's going on? Yeah, it's uh, he's gotten, I think for me personally, Flip has sort of gotten past the the point of like, oh, what's, you know, worrying about what's happening. I just assume at this point he's going to produce. And, and you know, we could maybe we have to save some flip for the for the bad because there were a lot of mistakes that he made in this game. But but you have to commend 16 and 11. You have to commend him hitting a huge shot right at the end of the game to make sure that Duke was able to seal the victory. You have to commend just his his, you know, ability in the post. And you mentioned Jason, the the high-low game that he was running with, with Ryan Young, not something that we ever expect to see in college basketball in 2023, but Duke has, has two bigs with so much good you know control that they were able to do that. So uh, another impressive game for Filipowski, who's basically already locked up ACC Rookie of the Year. He might be ACC Player of the Year when this is all said and done, and he gets a, a shot at that. I know we, we're not talking about the Carolina game, but this weekend is going to be one of those games where he could produce the highlights because he's going up against Armando Baycott. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely true. You're right. I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I'm going to be bringing up and mentioning Kyle Filipowski when we get to the bad, but, but I, I want to make it absolutely clear that I agree with you. This guy is underappreciated. He is getting it done for Duke in big ways. And that shot he hit at the end of the game, 40 seconds left, whatever it was, is just massive. I mean, yeah, Duke, Duke sort of frittered away a double-digit lead. It, you know, the mo- the moment that we were nervous 
was the moment where that ball left his hands. If if he doesn't hit that three, then this thing could have gotten away from us. But he did, and that's, I mean, that's that's a really big deal. I, I want to talk about another big man really quick, and that's Derek Lively. He only played twenty minutes, and you know, I, I'm not quite, I'm not quite sure I understand why he only played twenty minutes. I, I think that maybe. In the second half, it was because John Shire felt like we needed a little more offensive push. In the first half, Jeremy Roach was doing such a good job of scoring that I think, you know, Shire felt like we were we were fine. But Flip was struggling a little bit, and I think Shire felt like we needed to go with Ryan Young. But I, I feel like Derek Lively's ability to control the paint on defense is something that Duke was maybe missing down the stretch late in the game. I mean, he had... This is a game where he where Flip has I'm sorry where Lively has four block shots, some of them were flat footed. I love those; those are hysterical, and uh, and some of them were absolutely emphatic. And it you know he had seven points, six rebounds, four blocks in 20 minutes of playing time. If you think about what he would have had had he played, you know, 30 minutes, we're talking about you know double double and like six blocks, which would have been a monster game. And by the way, it's worth noting in his 20 minutes. His plus minus was plus 10. He led the team, number one on the team in plus minus. Uh, I, I wish Derek Lively would have gotten a little more run in this contest. Um, You reminded me of his defense. You reminded me of one of my favorite plays. Not my favorite, not my play of the game, but one of my favorite plays uh, was there was a point, I believe in the second half, where uh, there was a shot and Tyree Appleby was trying to box out Derek Lively. And Derek Lively just barely like jumped on. He basically like got up on his tippy toes to get the rebound over Tyree Appleby. And then love also got fouled in the process. So, uh, but he just kind of looked at Appleby and Appleby kind of gave him a smile to say like, what, like, what do you want me to do? He's, he's a foot and a half taller than me. So I like him using his size to get around in the paint, both on offense and on defense. But I agree with you, Jason on defense, uh, even down the stretch, his, his, uh, his presence was missing because I thought it would have been uh, the way he was playing that game that he, you know, probably would have been, you know, very, very effective inside uh, in those last final minutes. And, and it's worth noting, you mentioned rebounding. Duke won the rebounding battle in this contest, 39 to 32. I don't think that's indicative of how much they were dominating the boards. Wake had a flurry sort of late in the game late. That, that that caught them up some. Duke was Duke was out, out front by double-digit rebounds virtually this entire contest. It was yet another game where we owned the boards. And it's worth noting that the first time we played Wake, that did not happen. And I think the team really wanted to focus on that. Donald, we're getting ready to wrap up the good um, jump shots. I think you want to talk more about that. Yeah. I mean, if you look at this game and you look at the, uh, the box score, um, you're going to be like, how did, what happened where Duke won this game and why was it so out of control? I mean, they were just about even in a lot of categories, points from turnovers, even points to the paint. Duke had two more than Wake. Second chance points, the teams were even. Fast break points, Jason, we talked about how normally Duke is not very up-tempo, but they were a little bit more up-tempo than normal. They had one more fast break point than Wake Forest, but again, still fairly even. Bench points, Wake had three more. We won by making our jump shots, and especially we made a lot of two-point jump shots. We didn't go all the way to the rack uh, like, we, like we're known to do, especially when Wake decided to go big, which wasn't that often. A lot of times we were, again, step right inside the the free throw line, pop a 10 footer, pop a 12 footer, you know, hitting the three pointers has been helping. Uh, we didn't hit it at the same clip we have over the past couple of games, but we still were effective with the three and they came at big moments. And I think that's where we ended up being more efficient. And if you look at just uh, Jason, you know, 
field goals attempted, you know, they had 10 more than we did, but we made three more shots. And that is where, uh, in my mind, the difference was. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up with the good. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it wasn't all roses, ladies and gentlemen. There was some bad stuff, and we'll be discussing it in just a moment. All right, we're back from the commercial break. If there was a commercial there, you know, I've been lo- noticing lately, lately, there are very few commercials in our commercial breaks. <laughs> I wonder if that's anything to do with our uh, corporate overlords deciding yeah, to. Uh... Exactly. <laughs> we're we're going to have news, Sorry, by the way. We're going to have news about our corporate overlords very, very soon. Someday. We're, we're going to figure that out. There's some good news there. There's some stuff, bur- uh, you know, bubbling well, to the good, surface. Can we, can we, can I, can I spoil the, the most important news? Um, yeah. Which is that we don't yeah, know where we're going. I think it's important. Yeah, we don't know where we're going, but you will not have to resubscribe to us anywhere. That's, That's I think the most important thing about what we know about the future of this show is that your subscription on whatever service you are using is not going to change. So, like, don't worry about it. You're yeah, right. Your ability to find us will not change. That is very good news. Yes, I should have put this before the break when we were doing the good. <laughs> well, and, well, and we said we said when when the news first came out the the sort of news that first came out that we had no idea what was going on. We at least know now that we're keeping our feed. Uh, Everything else about it may change, but (laughs) right. (laughs) Okay. Back to the Wake Forest game. Oh yeah. We got to talk a little bit about the bad in this game. Uh, And I think I kind of want to start with Tyree Appleby. By the way, where does Steve Forbes find these guys? How does he do this? It is unbelievable. A year ago, it was Alondis Williams who came over from Oklahoma, just exploded, blew up, became first team all ACC, ACC player of the year. This year, it's Tyree Appleby comes over from Florida. I want everyone to understand, dude averaged 10 points per game and three assists per game last year at Florida. This year, he's averaging 18 and six. He's an ACC player of the year candidate. I have to tell you, if I was a like middling starter on a power five team elsewhere in the country, and I was thinking about, oh, maybe I should find a new home. Wake Forest would be my first choice. No question about it. Steve Forbes manages to take dudes who are, eh, you know, eh, whatever, and turn them into, like, all ACC candidates. It's incredible. Jason, it, it's a it's a real skill in, in two things. One, identifying underused talent. And then two, putting them into a system to succeed. Uh, this is a story that's, you know, like in, in baseball in the in the early part of the 2000s. The teams that were good were the like the, the St. Louis Cardinals basically like won tons of pennants and, and they won a few World Series just doing this. Like this is a real skill. And the fact that the transfer portal is now so common and that, it, that you can play right away means that there is no limit on Steve Forbes's ability to go watch tape of of guys in programs and other conferences and figure out who's going to work well for him. And by the way, if we're doing like a macro conversation about like what should John Shire be doing? Uh, looking more at the transfer portal and like understand like you know John Shire found Ryan Young this year and he found Jacob Grandison. One of those guys is performing insanely well, and there's no reason why why they can't keep doing that. So Steve Forbes, I think, is just a little bit ahead of the curve. And by the way, and speaking of Tyree, we're, you know, we should bring this back to focusing on the game and the bad from the game, and Tyree Appleby being one of the bads in the game. His ability to 
throw himself at players and draw fouls like the referees. I don't know how you deal with it if you're a ref because contact is being made, but I feel like a lot of the time the contact is being initiated by him. There was a play in the second half where Tyree Appleby hit a three-pointer. And as he went up to take the shot, he like kicked out his leg in a very big way. And he did the fell... Steph Curry kick, but it was demonstrative. Yeah. Like I feel like they, they need to call like that shouldn't be allowed. On the other hand, I, I root for the Atlanta Hawks and Trey Young does that stuff all the time. So anyway. Well, Jason, the answer is it's it's not allowed, but they called it anyway. I mean, the the refs being very inconsistent and very, you know, terrible with calls on both ends of the floor of both teams. I thought was a very big nuisance in this game um, and kind of made this game, you know, what it was. But I will say about Tyree Appleby, I think the one thing that he has found in what the portal is all about is that you can pick your place that you know you can step in and and have your game uh, accentuated and play your game. You don't have to find an offense and flow into it. You can find a place where the offense would suit you. And I think that's that marriage between Tyra Appleby and Wake Forest works out well. But I think, Jason, one thing that we we talked about before is last time we played them, he kept going to the line. He didn't do anything from shooting from the floor. He did a lot of his damage from the free throw line. This time around, it was kind of a better balance of both. He hit jumpers. He hit some three pointers. And he also went to the line eight times and hit seven free throws. So I think those guys, those uh, we kind of traded uh, just seeing if, if other teams, other guys would beat us and saying, no, Tyree Appleby is going to try and beat us. But I mean, he tried very, very well and he had 27 points. So uh, he was very effective on the night. We didn't really have a lot of ways that we could stop him because he was on his game for quite a while. We got to talk about the end of the game, gentlemen, Sam, mm-hmm. what, what happened in the final five minutes? You know, it, it felt to me like, I, as I was watching this game, I actually think I had the exact same feeling that all the Duke players did, which is, all right, you know, there's there's like, I think it was just over five and a half minutes left, there, or about five minutes left. Duke was up by 14. And I was like, Duke's up by 14, five minutes left. Defense is like, you know, they're not playing, they're not having their best game, but but they're playing well enough. Like, everything's fine. And I sort of started to zone out on this. And then all of a sudden, bam, Tyree Appleby gets fouled, uh, makes his free throws. Bam. Uh, Monsanto comes down and, and makes a jumper like they, there's uh, makes a three pointer like they wake Forest like all of a sudden was like, oh, we only have to make a few more shots to to get right back in this. And, and Duke completely lost focus. I would not be surprised if today there's a uh, <laughs> there's a focus in practice on on paying attention. And uh, I'm I, you know, if this was if this was the Coach K era, we'd be we might be getting some leaked information about some weird thing that coach K did to, to psych everyone out after falling asleep in the last five minutes of the game. So it was, it was pretty disappointing. The, the way that Duke just sort of folded there and that with about a minute and a half left, it was like, Oh, all of a sudden this is like a one possession game and Duke has to, or a two possession game. And Duke actually has to pay attention on all these, uh, on all these final possessions. So yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, it was really frustrating. And and I hope that the, the focus is, is reset for the UNC game on Saturday. Not that anyone needs any extra motivation for that. So, so I want to talk about that final margin and, and just, just to be clear, I don't believe the game ever got to be a one possession game until the, the half court three pointer goes in to cut uh, it from five to two. That's right. It got, it got to a, I think it was a four point game. uh, Right. When when Flip hit his three pointer, it was a four point game. Yeah. 
I believe uh, was it yes. six? There yeah, was a. Yeah. It was. It was, I'm, I'm. I'm checking it now. So uh, Appleby hit a layup with a minute twenty three left to cut it to seventy to sixty six, and that's when. And then on the two possessions later, uh, Flip hit a hit the three pointer. Right. Okay. So I'm going to talk about this final margin stuff because it seems silly to talk about garbage time hurting Duke because I want to be clear. Like if you look at ESPN and Ken Pomeroy's you know, win probability charts. Wake scored seven points when Duke was 99% to win the game. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it's truly, it's, it's truly meaningless. I mean, Duke, Duke leads by nine with 40 seconds left from there. We, we missed two front ends of one and one wake makes a pair of undefended layups. You know, they make layups where we're like, yeah, you want to take it? Go ahead whatever, you know, let's just get this thing over with. And then they hit a half court heave and you're like, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. Nine points, two points, it doesn't matter. They were never, Wake was never in a position where Duke was going to lose this game, um, you know, in those final 40 seconds or so. But I'm going to tell you something interesting. It impacts Duke's efficiency metrics. And it, it may seem silly to talk about 40 seconds and seven points and stuff like that. But I'll tell you something. If you look today at where Duke is in Ken Pomeroy's rankings, they're 29th. Yesterday, they were 27th. They fell in the efficiency rankings. And it's not just Ken Pomeroy. It's all the other folks who map efficiency. They fell in the efficiency rankings because the presumption was that Duke was going to win this game by about seven or eight points. Oh, they only won it by two. And and so you go, oh, well, you know, maybe this wasn't that good a performance by Duke. Again, in a game where we were leading by double digits virtually the entire game. In the grand scheme of things, I don't know. May, may, maybe it doesn't matter at all over the course of the entire season. Being 27th or 29th in Ken Pomeroy isn't that huge a deal. But if Duke had won this game by 14, we were up by 14. If Duke wins it by about 14 or so, I bet we move up in Ken Pomeroy's rankings instead of moving down. And all these things do become little data points that the selection committee has at their fingertips when they're trying to decide seeds. I, I'm I'm not saying, not saying it's a huge problem, but having these games be closer than they should be does matter at least a little bit. Donald, let's check out something else that was definitely a problem for Duke in this ballgame, and that's turnovers. Kyle Filipowski, by the way, ugh, six turnovers for Flip? That's a season high. This was not good. Yeah, and I think there was a couple other guys. It was a Tyrese Proctor, I think, had four. I mean, it was it, – it, at first, it wasn't that bad. I think, Jason, a lot of those were in the final, like, ten minutes of the game. And I'm not even saying the final five minutes of the game because I don't think there were a ton of turnovers uh, there. It was just a, just a lot of missed front end of one-on-ones and, and missed shots, like you like you mentioned. But uh, the turnovers are going to be a big deal um, if we do look forward, right? We look forward to these games that we got coming up, not just against UNC, but against Miami and against Virginia. We cannot be turning the ball over against these teams. Wake Forest is a team where, yeah, we turned the ball over 14 times and we still were able to win. That's We can't take that and, and say we did okay with the ball. We have to take care of the basketball. It's been one of those nagging things that, that have been a thorn in our side completely uh, uh, the, the season. And I think last night, it didn't feel like it was any worse than it has been before. But when you look at the, you know, certain times where we did a lot of the scoring drops that we had in this game, and we had a few of them were a result of turning the ball over and not getting those opportunities. As I mentioned, Jason, 
they had 10 more uh, field goal attempts than we did. And that wasn't because we didn't take that many shots. It's because we didn't have that opportunity because we kept giving the ball back to them at inopportune times. And that just kept Wake Forest in the game. You can't keep teams like that in the game because they'll come back and get you. But it's not always that you're going to be able to withstand this uh, pressure from a team and keep giving them the ball and letting and daring them to do it. A team will actually pick us off. And we've seen it already this year when we turn the ball over a lot. We need to keep those turnovers down. So there's one other thing I want to mention uh, in the bad, and, and that's the Duke bench. Uh, and, and the you know the bench has been a little up and down this year. It was it was way down in this game. We got almost nothing from anyone who wasn't named Ryan Young. Jacob Grandison only plays ten minutes and somehow put a plus minus of minus fifteen. That's a really bad number. As yeah, as ugly from Jacob Grandison. Because our bench was so ineffective, Kyle Filipowski was forced to play 38 minutes in this game. Jeremy Roach played more than 37. Heck, uh, Mark Mitchell, who was struggling, struggling to get involved. Mark Mitchell had a completely average, if not below average game, and he played 32 minutes because uh, of... You think it was average? It was way below average, I thought. So, Mitchell, yeah. yeah. Jason, the, the, the bench performance is really concerning, and it, it continues the theme for this season, which is... We really don't know who's showing up night to night. I feel like I I wrap up all these games by saying like, well, this is the game where insert name, turn the corner. Tyrese Proctor turned the corner today. Jeremy Roach turned the corner today. Uh, Derek Lively turned the corner today. And and maybe that, you know, Proctor does have a very good game. We talked about him. Roach has a very good game. Do we know that that's coming back in the next game? Do we know when, when Jalen Blakes is going to feel either healthy or, or prepared again? Do we know when Jacob Grandison is going to start, you know, hitting, hitting lots of shots like, like we thought he was going to do all season that the, it is concerning that, like you said, Ryan Young is basically the only guy off the bench for Duke. Maybe when Whitehead comes back, it means that, that Duke's rotation is bigger. And I have been waiting to feel like, like I'm excited for Duke to have a nine or 10 man rotation. It doesn't feel like that's coming together, but who knows? Uh, and, and I'll tell you very quickly, I think that Whitehead being out has affected this team in a big way at the offensive end. I, I would say right now that really Roach, Proctor, and Filipowski are the only guys that I feel like are even remotely consistent on, on the offensive end of the floor. There's just no, you know, I guess Ryan Young a little bit. Um, you know, when when we're feeding him in the post and stuff. But this this is a team that is struggling. And it seems crazy to say it on a game after we scored more than 70 points. But we're a team that's struggling to get a lot of offensive output. And we're not getting any help from our bench. And I want to just mention very quickly, for the second game in a row, Jaden Shute gets, you know, regular rotation minutes. Not a lot of them. Um, but I thought this game, you could really see why he's been struggling to get time. He didn't seem to move very well and get open very well. Uh, you know, he should really watch old tapes of of JJ Redick, who was just relentless in his movement. And I, I don't feel like that Jaden Shute is even in the same ballpark at this point. Um he he wasn't great. He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great on defense either. Uh I'm I'm waiting for Jaden Shute to have another game where he impacts the team, you know, in a positive way on offense. But but I, I think all the bench play has been really, really lacking lately. Uh, Samuel right to mention Grandison. My expectations for Jacob Grandison are, you know, at least two or three times what he better than what he's been this year. It's been quite disappointing for a guy who at Illinois was a considerably better player than he's been thus far at Duke. I think the real issue that I have with the bench is you can't come off the bench and get considerable minutes and be flirting with a trillion. 
because that's what Jacob Grandison almost did, save for a rebound and two assists. And I believe uh, Jaden Shoot had a foul that prevented him from getting his vaunted trillion. So yeah, exactly. you can't have that if you're going to be at, it's one thing for, you know, the Christian Reeves and the guys who get like, you know, a minute or so uh, of playing time to avoid the train by trying to get a petty foul or something like that. That's one thing. But if you're having considerable minutes, you can't just be out there doing all cardio. That's just not like that. That means that you're not effective. And that means that there's no reason for us to have a, a nine, 10 person uh, bench because if two of those guys are going to be so ineffective that they may as well not be playing, then you need to shrink the lineup a little bit. So that's where that's where the inconsistency for me is. I love to see a bench, but I need all these guys to be contributing in in more ways than just cardio um, when they get on the floor. So uh, that's the that's what needs to work out. And again, we've seen, you know, I thought Ryan Young played very well last night off the bench and he's done that from time to time, but who's the other guy that's going to be able to be the microwave and get the, you know, get those Vinnie Johnson type of numbers. We're not, I'm not asking him to put up, you know, 15, 20 points off the bench, but if you can contribute a solid eight, nine, 10 points consistently off the bench, then that means there's no drop off when our starters have to come out of the game. And that means that the team that we're facing has no let up. They have to be on call at all times. And that makes them more tired, which means our guys are going to be able to thrive. So I think all these are little things. I think the inconsistency of our bench is what needs to be worked on and, and continue to be worked on down the stretch of the ACC season. All right. We got a lot to improve upon as we begin to think about the big game coming up this weekend. I'm not even going to say their name out loud. Those bastards. Uh, in any event, gentlemen, before we go, we have to have our. Uh, you like that? Sam's cracking up. Sorry, that was that was good. It was very out of the blue, Jason. It was like, yeah, it was bad. Didn't expect that. <laughs> okay, we got to do our favorite play, our play of the game. Donald, get me started. Okay, so my favorite play uh, was when Derek. I'm sorry, when Jeremy Roach had the pirouette steal with about six minutes left. He goes all the way. He oh, basically steals as he's doing the pirouette. He goes all the way down the floor. He misses the contested layup, but Proctor was right there with the with the putback. Then there was a big stop on the other end of the floor, and then they go right back down, feed the ball into Ryan Young, and he has the layup to put Duke up 14 with about 5.30 left. That was my play of the game, that series of plays that started with Roach uh, channeling his inner ballet um, to get a steal. And go the other way. Sam, what do you got? Play of the game. All right. I was going to pick that one because it was awesome. <laughs> but in, you know, in deference to uh, there was one other play that I really liked that also was sort of down the stretch. Uh, Ryan Young had a had a layup where he got a bounce pass from Kyle Filipowski. And I could oh, feel beautiful. I could feel all the old people just like slowly rising out of their seats and and remembering <laughs> the good times. You know, there was just this. <laughs> This like pure unathletic uh, element to it, and that's not a that's not a racial commentary. That's just a like, you know, they had this cute bounce pass, like a five foot bounce pass to for the layup. Um, you know, whoever it could have been, but great that it was Ryan Young that finished it. Uh, so I thought one of you was going to take Kyle Filipowski's three pointer, the only three pointer he hits in the game that that sealed the game for for Duke. How can that not be our favorite play? But I'm here to tell you that my favorite play was not that one. My favorite play was uh, with about 13 minutes left. Uh, Derek Lively had one of those block shots. I think it was his flat-footed block shot. 
And it led to a Mark Mitchell run out and Mark Mitchell got a three point play. It gave Duke a 13 point lead. It was like Mark Mitchell's only highlight of the entire game. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I love this, you know, again, uh, the three of us just love to take those plays that go um, on from one end of the floor to the other end of the floor. I do want to mention something that I've never done before, which is my least favorite play. You ready for it? My least favorite play eight minutes left in the first half. Jacob Grandison gets a steal. Takes, just takes the ball away from a wake guy. And then Kyle Filipowski immediately, like within seconds, just handed the ball to Tyree Appleby who went down and got a dunk. There's nothing worse than a guy on your team doing something good and you immediately doing something even worse, something awful that turns it into a bucket for the other team. I hate plays like that. So if I recall correctly, like John Shire had had like, as soon as he like saw that, he was just like, all right, we got to talk about that. Like we have to take a, take a, take a 20 right here. Oh, geez. It was just, it was really, really bad. It was, I hated that play. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us here. That's the end of our conversation about the blue devils victory over wake forest. We now put that in the rearview mirror and we look ahead just down the road. They're coming our way. The Tar Heels coming to Duke this weekend. We will have a preview of that coming up tomorrow on the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Until then, I'm Jason. He's Donald. He's Sam. Here's the Duke band to play us out and take us home. So my ESPN plus uh, algorithm is going to be quite screwed um, because all I've been doing today is watching old UNC games to scout them for Saturday. I love it. I love it. That's, that's what we should all be doing. Yeah. But the problem is it's going to mess up my algorithm because it's going to push all this stuff to the front, which I actually don't want. The great thing is the algorithm was doing its job before because it took me like 10 minutes to search for all these stupid games. Like they're <laughs> deep, deep, deep. I, I saw more Georgia tech and Boston college games than I've seen UNC games on this platform. So uh, the algorithm was doing something right. And I just wanted to say to my algorithm, I'm sorry, please go back to the way you were. <laughs> That's like what, on YouTube, I'll, I'll hop on YouTube sometimes and I will mm-hmm. have like recently you know, for work or something than looking at some, uh, you know, I don't even know what videos and suddenly my YouTube feed will be all this stuff. And I'm like, I have no interest in this. Why is this? Wait, what did you, wait, like, what, oh. you, what did you get? What topic did you get? No, no, no. You, you missed it. You weren't here. Donald, tell him. Yeah. So I was saying that for Saturday, I'm, I've started like watching old UNC games to kind of scout what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, but the algorithm for my ESPN plus is going to be jacked up because they were, I mean, they were deep. Oh, now deep. it thinks you're a UNC fan. Yeah. They were deep, deep in the basement. <laughs> like I had to search like random, I searched college basketball, then ACC. And then like, I saw all the like Boston college games and all the Georgia tech games. Of uh, course, all the Duke games were right up front. The ESPN be, video archive is terrible. It's perfect for a, me, except be, for the fact that I just happened to want to watch it for re- research purposes. Not because I like these stupid kids. Like I just want, <laughs> I just, I want these to go away after tomorrow. <laughs> you're gonna, sorry, you're can, gonna start getting alerts on your phone for every every time Armando Baycott dunks a ball. You're gonna get an alert in your phone. Oh, drive, oh, oh I wish, <laughs> I wish I would. I wish I would. Um, my uh, I was the YouTube. I, I thought you were talking about how the YouTube algorithm has you know given you uh, new hobbies because uh, apparently, 
apparently my thing is uh watching japanese chefs cook high-end steak oh wow um, yeah like so i get you. all these i get all these That's like good stuff man there are there are a million like 10 to 15 minute videos of japanese chefs cooking steak and important, they are wait important detail are they in japanese or in english oh they're all in japanese uh, or or they're most of them are silent. Most of them are just like ambient noise. So you just it's like an ASMR thing. You just hear them like yeah, slicing yeah. and sizzling and all that stuff. Wow. I don't know how I no 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 like they're not making like if they're making they're not, noises, they're it's very talking. like they're just, just no, cooking. Like, no, they're just they're just they're just masters at their craft. It's and you know what? You know what? Those videos, they're awesome. So <laughs> so when you go down like when I go down like the Instagram like reel or the Facebook yeah. oh, God, story, it's terrible. like things. No, but the funny thing is, is like you get those things that pop back up from time to time. So literally all I get now are these are two random things that popped up that I just kind of went down the wormhole. The one first one is like all the cooking stuff, like how to, you know, smoke a brisket. But yeah, they're like all the ASMR, like, you know, slicing Wagyu and oh, it's awesome. cook my steak. That's so terrific. Awesome. The other one, which is just kind of randomly, like not necessarily satisfying, but I watch them because I'm like, yo, this for some reason, this took two two minutes from my life that I've learned something is how they uh, shave the horseshoes off of horses. Oh like, my god, it's awesome! Yeah, that process. It's so awesome! Of how I they think do, I've seen it's this. So too. awesome! Yeah, it's such a. It was like I learned something from this, and then you, and then the next thing is like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna smoke some brisket. And I'm like, okay, now I'm hungry. Uh, and then I, the next thing I get is another horse. I'm like, I don't want the horse. Give me the meat. <laughs> oh, so Sam, you were asking the thing that happened to me recently was there were volcanoes uh, going off in uh, in Hawaii, and I was at work, and we were doing a story about the volcanoes in Hawaii, and so I uh, was finding some of the better videos that the USGS and US Geological Service had posted on YouTube and things like that. Suddenly, I went to YouTube like two or three days later. And I had all these all these volcano videos. They were crazy cool. I mean, volcanoes are amazing. Those are awesome too. Definitely. Yeah. The nature ones, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um uh I just opened up my my YouTube. I see that uh Pedro Pascal is hosting SNL this week. That's great. Hmm. Um that'll be good. That's Last of Us. You watching Last of Us? I am watching Last of Us. Not oh, yet. Episode it's, three was it's crazy so good. good. Episode three was ridiculous. Oh my by god, way, I'm bald. Donald. Donald, of, wait, wait to... hold on. End of episode three. I'm just, I'm crying. Just uh, tears rolling down my cheek. And my wife is like, you know, it's just TV, right? I'm like, you have Shut no up. heart. You are not a human being if you're not crying. Donald, you, Donald, you have to watch this program. <laughs> I plan on watching it, but I think I've told you this before. A lot of times when there are shows that are phenomenons, cultural phenomenons like this, I wait because a lot of the same people who like, again, you know, not, not to say that you two aren't, aren't people i'm taking recommendations from but the general masses of people when they're doing stuff these are all twitter shows i know what's going on because everyone's just talking about yeah, it yeah on twitter I, and so I watch later it. on i get to watch it and watch it in relative peace to kind of say okay was twitter right or were they just sensationalist with all this yeah no i uh i think this one's good and i i, I mean i'm i'm okay at staying up to date on so there's a lot of stuff that i don't watch uh um, yeah if you are so. if you are part of either TV or movie trivia, uh, sorry Twitter, I, I am very much part of movie Twitter. I you know like everyone I follow are are movie people and do, like my my feed is all movies. You're the, I was gonna say you're the only movie person that I follow. <laughs> yeah, my, my my feed is all movies and Duke. That's like the, all that is. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you if you don't want to be spoiled, then you have to keep up. Because right, and yeah. I don't care about Hope, being well, spoiled. And that's how I feel. That's what's going to happen. I can't, I, I, I've, 
I've stopped trying to remain unspoiled for Duke basketball games that I don't watch on time because it's it's literally impossible. Yeah, well, um, you people, have to not look at your phone you at all. You can't yeah. look at your yeah, phone. People text yeah. you all the time. Yeah, but like, yeah, exactly. Whatever. So it's I I've given up on that entirely. I'm like, if I'm not watching, that's my fault. Um, this I, whole conversation. Once I cut the cord. Well, once I cut the cord, right? Like, I'm 20 20 seconds behind real time and everything. Even if I watched on YouTube TV, yeah, it's I'm true. still like so 10, 15 seconds behind anything. So if I'm looking, I I've gotten used to that part, but I have a box that's about a minute behind. Um, when I'm watching some soccer and the problem is a lot of times people are like, yo, that was a great goal. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then like two minutes later I go, Oh, that's what they're talking about. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just kind of learned sometimes you just got to take that L when it comes to following, following and live streaming. This conversation is either going to be a great post credit scene, or it could just be an episode of bites. <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> Keep the recording.